0: You are listening to the Grace of Bel-Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. What a great day to be in God's house. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. And we welcome each one here today and those that are uh, live streaming with us on Facebook or our website page. I'm going to ask you to do something. Um, wherever you spent Thanksgiving, uh, just put the name of the town and the state in the comments and let's see how many different places are represented here um, we have folks, friends from Canada this morning, and just raise your hand. That's uh, Reverend and Mrs. Uh, Charles and Jackie. Yes, it's so good to have them with us, and all of the college and university kids that are back. We just welcome you. It's so good to see you. Uh, God is so good, isn't he? So today's theme is hope, and I want to share a scripture with you today, God's word. Um, And the title of the message today, and I'm praying that God will use it to encourage your hearts and give you great hope and comfort and strength, is a good hope by grace. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort, And good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Would you put also in the comments just this phrase a good hope by grace? A good hope by grace. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, as we look forward to this Advent season, And how many can believe that Christmas is a month away? Are you serious? A month away. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, he said, A voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. So I want to challenge you today, no matter what your year has been like, or you might feel that you're in the wilderness or even in the desert would you clear the way for the Lord over these next 30 days and see what the Lord will do in your life as we prepare for his first coming into our heart and also for the new year that will be upon us. The main theme today is that hope in Christ is a tree of life. Hope in Christ is a tree of life. Hope is essential for life. The psalmist said this, the, uh, uh, Solomon said this, hope fulfilled is a tree of life, but hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Chuck Swindoll, in one of his writings, tells the true story of the prisoner of war in the North Vietnamese camps. And this American prisoner of war endured such terrible, terrible sufferings and um persecutions and beatings and starvation. And, um, and he was promised by the enemy that if he would cooperate with them, that he could go home and see his family. And he cooperated. He was the only one among his fellow patriots that did this. But he cooperated with the full expectation that he would be able to go home to America and see his family and be delivered from that horrible place, only to find out that they had betrayed him. And within a matter of two weeks, Chuck Swindoll tells this story that this individual had lost all hope. He curled up in a fetal ball. He refused all water all food. And within just two short weeks, he passed from here unto eternity. He had lost hope. But what Jesus Christ represents to us is that the Word of God says that we have been given a good hope by God's grace. A good hope by God's grace. The good news of when it's announced in a family that a baby will be born. And you know what I'm talking about. And you can't hardly keep it a secret. And before you know it, everyone is excited. A new baby will be born and everything will change. Advent is about arrival. Arrival. Jesus coming to this world. Jesus, the light coming into the darkness. To create a new order, a new humanity, a new kingdom built on righteousness and justice and on God's character, salvation, hope, grace, peace, and love. He brings heaven to earth then and now. There's a new sheriff in town. A new sheriff in town. Over Thanksgiving dinner, in fact, we had two. We had one here at our home with 16 family members, and then we went to my uh, extended family in northeastern Pennsylvania, and there were 25 there. It was sort of uh, chaotic order. Uh, chaotic, some would call it. <laughs> but It was loud and noisy, and the food was just great, you can imagine. But I was talking with, with um, one of the Family members on the other side. In other words, not uh, not a dross, and there's only so many dross that that are enough in a room. Just believe me. So anyway, I was talking with George, and uh, George is my age, and he is the he is the father of my sister-in-law. And George and Jane have served the Lord just wonderfully over the years. But in his retirement now, he's seventy he's driving a school bus. It's not because he needs something to do. It's to, um, that he needs the money. He wants something to do, and he likes serving and driving. But he was telling me that, that they, they, some of the conditions and some of the children um, that, he, that he buses, they're not children. They're teens, and there's a vocational, uh, the, a vocational uh, school in the area that they take them to during the week. And he said, it is just, it is just absolute chaos. But he said, uh, the bus drivers got together and reported it to the principal. There's a new principal. uh, And he said, in this high school, my alma mater, Valley View High School. And he said, "She's, she's short, but man, he said, things are changing. And they reported it to her. And she said, well, thank you for letting me know I'm going to have a conversation. And they were privileged to part of that conversation. He said, I can't repeat everything she said. But she spoke in a language that those ruffians understood. And he said, things have changed. There's a new sheriff that's arrived in town. And someone would say, amen, yes. Advent, Jesus. The new sheriff, his coming, answers the age-old question that the Virgin Mary said when, when it was told to her that you, you will conceive and bear a son. And she said, I'm but a virgin. And she said these words, how can it be See, am I seeing that I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit, the angel said, will overshadow you and you will conceive. The coming of Jesus Christ answers for you and for me and makes available the answers to the age-old question when we go through the how can it be moments in our life. How can this be? How can it be that I am experiencing this, how, this, this thing that was not expected and, and I find myself in this situation because he came, he came. He answers that age old question, Emmanuel. God is with us, praise his name. And I want to share with you today about this good hope by grace, this good hope that God has given to us. First of all, there's three things past, present, and future. The past is, it was hope foretold by the prophets. The present is hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. And the future is, The Blessed Hope, hope that's fixed on Jesus. If you have a smartphone and the Version Bible app, you can go there this morning. And if you hit the drop-down menu and just hit Events and Grace Assembly of God will be the first church that pops up, and all the notes are there. But you can also fill in your own notes, and I love to do this. So if you see me uh, during the service looking at the screen, uh, that's what I'm doing. And uh, by the way, can I just give you a little rabbit trail? I'm, they tell me I'm known for rabbit trails. You know, we have you ever been in meetings and people are on their screens all the time? Anyone? Is, am I the only one that that ever? You know, and we say, oh, you know, oh, those Gen Z. Uh, it was millennials, but millennials now are sort of 25 to 40. Those millennials, you know, they're always got their faces. Then now. Uh, Pastor Ryder tells me now it's Gen Alpha. What's next? Beta? <laughs> I don't know. Zeta? I don't know. What But anyway, do you know what the research is showing? You know, you know one of the the generations that the primary user of screen time is baby boomers. But the difference is other generations are using it for social media. What happens with the baby boomers, we're looking at, where it's research. It says okay. No. If you're in a conversation or if you watch a television show, how many have done this? Right. You say, oh my goodness, the, the commentator at the at the at, on the football game will say oh my goodness but i gotta google that is that so how many are guilty would you please raise your thank you i feel better already i'm not the only one but one of the primary so-called users of screen time are the baby boomers so just be careful what nose you look down and who you're looking down at the first thing i want to share with you is the hope foretold by the prophets Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now listen to this, church. What a glorious, glorious text. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he, that's Jesus, upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Isaiah chapter 9, begin reading in verse number 2. The prophet Isaiah said, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation, you shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil." For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Praise his name. Amen. Praise God. What that means is that, friends, we have a heavenly Father. Our God, the great I Am, is a God who speaks to his people. God is near to you and to me. The prophets had, by some accounts, 300 prophecies about Jesus Christ. Now, I've read as many as 400. I don't know. As you know, I I read through the Bible every year. I've been doing it since I've been a teenager, sometimes more than that. But that's my habit. I love love reading the Word of God. And so I've never penned all of the prophecies. But here's the amazing thing. Jesus fulfilled 300 of these prophecies. The prophets foretold this. And for the mathematicians among us, for any one person to fulfill eight, just eight, of the hundreds of prophecies that he fulfilled means that there's only a one chance in ten to the seventeenth power of that happening. Now I look to Vernon Adamson, he can tell me afterwards what that is, but I've tried counting that and my wife and I have counted all the zeros and all I can say we were off by a hundred million or a hundred quadrillion. It's, it's one and one hundred quadrillion. We counted up to one quadrillion. But, I mean, I'm, is anyone else impressed with that? Yes. Yes. Just eight of them. One and one hundred quadrillion. Ten. One chance in ten to the power of seventeen. Some of those prophecies. It was prophesied by Micah that he would be born in Bethlehem. Hosea said this, that out of Egypt I have called my son. Hosea said that, that he would be born from Abraham, Isaac, Judah, Jesse, David. He would enter Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. Remember that? Palm Sunday. Zechariah said that, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah said that The betrayal money would buy a potter's field. Does anyone remember that in Scripture? That he would die with the criminals. The psalmist said that their soldiers would gamble over his tunic, his outer clothing. The Scripture said that he would rise from the dead. Isaiah prophesied that he would bear our sins in his body. And in Christ Jesus, he would wipe away all of our tears, our sorrow, and our pain. That's just some of the prophecies that he fulfilled. That was past. But today, hope is fulfilled presently in Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write these words. Matthew 1, 21, 23. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And now all this took place to fulfill. Notice that fulfill. What was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold the virgin shall be with a child. And shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which translated means God with us. He brought heaven and earth together. He's our savior, our healer, our prophet, our baptizer, our soon-coming king, second advent, soon-coming king. He is the faithful high priest. Hebrews said, the writer to the book of Hebrews we, in the scripture that we read, that in olden days God spoke to his people through the prophets, but now in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. And when he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Do you ever wonder what he's doing up there? Is his work finished? No. God's word says he ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. It's that we have a faithful high priest over the household of faith that's been made in every way like you and I have been made yet without sin. But we're able to approach him to find mercy and grace to help in the time of our need. We have been born again because of Jesus to a living hope. First Peter chapter 1 says these words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And would you put in the comments this morning a living hope, praise God, a living hope, a hope for living right now in this present thing. I'm not talking just about a hope, a hope that was sometime in the past, or I'm not talking about the hope that we have for Christmas Day when you're kids. You remember that, and you had a hope that you're gonna wake up to, uh, to the presents that you were going to get. You remember those days, and we'd listen to the silly Christmas songs. You better, how's that good? Better <laughs> watch out. You better be good. Better better not be naughty uh, or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. You remember that. This is all I remember. I knew what I wanted. We didn't have a lot when we were growing up, but and I knew that there would be Christmas presents that were too big for them to wrap. How many of you ever had a Christmas present too big to wrap and I would tell you this I would boy I couldn't I couldn't sleep Christmas night and I'd get up early in the morning because I knew Santa Claus that's my parents I knew <laughs> I knew that the gifts would be out there and I'd sneak out to the living room to see what was there before anyone else was because what they said don't anyone come out just you know, we, we want this to be a surprise, but I might be the only one here. But I, I didn't, I didn't obey my parents at everything, and that was one of the things. And I'd sneak out, and I can remember sixth grade. I remember I went out there, and I, and I wanted a bicycle, and I walked out there in the living room of that parsonage. I can still see the sun starting to come through that big picture window, and next to that Christmas tree was a great big. 28-inch Schwinn bicycle, black pinstripe, chrome fenders, white handle uh, grips with these long plastinking things coming out of that, and a red and white seat with Schwinn on it. And I knew that Santa Claus had come to town. That was my present. Yes, yeah. and that's wonderful. And we thank God, you know, for those times. But friends, I want us to know and God's word wants us to know that this living hope that he's given to us goes far beyond Christmas presents on Christmas morning. What we've experienced as grandparents, we've watched those kids, sometimes I call them termites, excuse me, all those little kids, our grandchildren come over and we, they have a mountain of presents. Our house, we start from the youngest one to the Oldest one and the and the kids they all want to be Santa Claus and they're handing them out we're all there and then they start unwrapping those Christmas presents and it's just like the papers flying and they're going oh and you know and, and you'll say oh, show us smile hold it up and they will like flash it for like a half a second and my wife is diving for the pretty bows and don't get rid of that pretty that. What do you call it? present bag. What a gift bag. We can save that for later. Is there anyone else that does that? Yes. You know what? Yeah. If you tithe, you do stuff like that. All right. Yes. <laughs> but they'll get that mountain of Christmas presents. And then when it's all said and done, then they start looking around to see what their cousins got. Oh, I wish I didn't get, you know, and it's like, that's not the type of hope that we're talking about here this morning We're talking about a living, living hope for this world that will answer how can it be questions in our life. Peter said it's an imperishable inheritance and we are protected by God's power. The writer to the Hebrews said of this hope, he said, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. This is a hope by grace, praise God. I share something that I don't share often, but I was reminded of this. We remember our youngest daughter, who was married in Habit of Grace, by the way, and called us with the good news that she was expecting her first child and you know you see the you see the pictures on facebook and the, the baby bumps and all that and we're so and then the day was drawing near and My wife was going to be there. And we got the call. We got the call. And it was within a day or two. Something's wrong. All the tests have been good. But there's no heartbeat. Dad, can you come? Mom's coming. Can you come? We booked that airplane ticket. There was... There was no question about that. I remember when we got that call and I literally slumped against the hall, the wall. I I couldn't believe it. We flew out in the morning. We flew into St. Louis. We got on the bus for that long, lonely ride, 130 miles from St. Louis to Columbia, Missouri to the hospital, we got there. They had, to, of course, induce labor. And, and our son-in-law's mom and dad were there, wonderful, wonderful Christians. We're talking and we didn't, under, we did, we didn't understand this. And it was a teaching hospital and no one was turned away, and there was, they were wheeling parents out, and they were, everyone was smiling, and, and uh, we couldn't understand this. It's a how-can-it-be moment, and uh, we were there for the birth, but there was no joy and gladness, Oh, joy and gladness. We had to work through that in the weeks and months. And uh, they, I, was, I was asked to, look, to do little Beverly Rose's funeral. Beautiful little baby. It was hard. It hard. And I remember talking with my son-in-law because this hit him so hard. And it's, when things happen like this, the gravitational, the gravitational pull of humanity is so strong, you just want to dive into a deep hole, a black hole. And somehow that pull is so strong that you believe that if you dive into that bottomless dark hole that somehow there must be an answer somewhere because there's no answers right now. But the further you go, the stronger the pull gets and there's no answers for why this is like it is. I remember we're he and I were alone in the automobile and I just encouraged him. I said, called him by name. I said, there's no answers there. All we can do is to appeal to the grace of God in this. The grace of God. Don't dive in that deep hole. If you're going through something today, don't dive in that deep hole. There's no answers there. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse and you'll end up blaming yourself because the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Brethren who specializes in fiery darts of the soul. And when we can't make sense, we will blame ourselves. ultimately, saying, I must be the reason this has happened. If only I'd done something different. That's not the case. And even if it was the case, God is a God of forgiveness. But I remember praying for him, and I said, I encourage them to appeal to God's grace because God's grace, while it doesn't answer all the questions, it's a place to park our emotions and our humanity and let God begin to heal some things that are absolutely unhealable by ourselves. This is called a good hope by grace, a living hope. It's why in Hebrews, as I read, it says, hang on to this hope, which is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul that is fastened within the veil where Jesus Christ is, the great high priest, praise his name. We can't answer all the problems in life, but there is one that we can go to where we can find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. There's some moments in life that we walk through that the Scripture says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Humanity is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Following Jesus does not mean that we're immune from trouble, but it means that Jesus Christ is with us as a shore and a steadfast anchor of our soul. And it is God's gift to you and me to protect us from this gravitational pull of our humanity that will destroy us and immobilize us unless we allow the God of all grace to come into our lives, praise his name. Yes. It's that moment when we get alone with God. It's that moment where we stop asking the why questions And we start just saying, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning. I want to share with you in the last few moments. We also have a blessed hope for the future. It's hope that's fixed on Jesus. Hope that's fixed on Jesus. Titus 2 13 looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies themselves just as he is pure. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I've had the privilege to be with brothers and sisters in Christ as they've passed from here to eternity. And hearing their inspired words of heaven. I can tell you, thanks be to the Lord that for the child of God who recognizes that his end or her end is near, it can be a great sense of rejoicing. I've also experienced being close or near to someone who is passing away, passing away, and to hear All I could describe it as the screams or the hopelessness of someone that was facing eternity without the hope of Jesus Christ. Being strapped down on a gurney, such as I was in in an emergency room for several hours. I'd had an accident. I cut the ends of two of my fingers off and it was just, it was just, you, you don't want to do that. But I heard a man that was passing into eternity without hope and without God. And he was saying, he was crying out, crying out in his hopelessness and despair, knowing that at any moment, this life would end for him. And there's nothing that I could do about it. But I've had the great joy and the privilege to be with several people who have passed away while I was there with them. And hearing the testimonies, the first, while I wasn't there, was my grandfather, Greg, Frank Gregg, who served the Lord, and he had moved from Canada, New Brunswick, Canada, to upstate Maine in the the early 1900s because he heard that the things of God were happening in Maine. He moved his whole family. And my grandfather, Pup Gregg, they called him, had had, uh, uh, been in management all of his life, and so he wasn't some wild-eyed, unsettled person, but he moved from one country to another, and he went and he settled down in a place called Washburn, Maine. And, and that church, out of that whole thing, was the Washburn Pentecostal Church, which was the mother of Pentecost in the state of Maine. That's part of my heritage and my legacy. And he served the Lord with great distinction. And I remember he, he passed away as I was three, but I have some distinct memories. One was, was on Sunday mornings, uh, there were two chairs at the front of the the church. It was back in the days when the pastor sat on the platform, but there's also another chair that my grandfather sat in. He was the elder in the church. He was known in that town of that small uh, potato farming town of 1800. He managed 14 different potato farms. That's what he did for a living. And he loved the Lord. And I do remember that, that house that they had, and there was a piano there, and he loved to sing, and our family loves to sing, and they would play the piano, and they would, the family would gather around, and they'd sing, and they tell me, it was in my grandma's big kitchen, that I was, I was only three, that I would line up kitchen chairs, and I would preach a sermon, and I'd pray for my uncle Osborne's cows, and I would, then I'd, of course, guess, guess what else I did? I took an offering, all right? So that was just, I come by this honestly. Well my grandfather passed away in 1955, and I was just three years old. But this is what he passed away in his own bed, his own bedroom. My grandmother is by his side, and this is what he said to my grandmother. This is this hope that's fixed on Jesus, this blessed hope. He said, oh Bessie, can you hear them? I've never heard singing like this in my life. I can hear them singing in heaven. And that's what he was talking about. I can see heaven. And those were some of his his last words that he said. I remember also, and I was with Brother Eckenrode, and we were, he was a great old saint, and we're talking about how he'd served the Lord. And 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 I was there and to pray with him and he said how much he was looking forward to heaven and there was no hope of his getting out of the hospital and I prayed for him and when I opened my eyes he had died so if you get real bad off you might want to consider whether you ask me to the hospital to pray for you or not okay but I also remember Shirley who started coming to the church, and she was in her late 40s, and she had a beautiful family. She started coming to the first church that we pastored, had 50 or 60 people in it. But Shirley, I didn't know she had a, a heart problem, and she ended up in the hospital, and she was dying. and the And the family called me and said, "Would you come pray with Shirley, with mom? She's she's about to pass." And I went in and. And sure enough, and she was sort of like a purple color, if you've ever seen that, I guess oxygen-deprived, and we talked about the Lord, and I prayed for her, and I sat with the family. It was a couple hours later, and they said, uh, Reverend Dross, Shirley's calling for you. Would you come in? And I went in, and, 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 and she was sort of in this different state, and this is what this woman said that, who had not grown up in church, but she said, oh, Pastor Paul, can you hear them? Can you hear them singing? And she started describing heaven. Now, friends, I'm telling you, that's a blessed hope. That's a blessed hope that to be absent from this body, is to be present with the Lord. Can you say amen this morning? Yes, that's a blessed hope. In fact, the Word of God says, precious in the eyes of the Lord of the dead, of his saints. Now I, I love life right now. And and some on you know they say on Facebook I say this is my best life now. I say praise God, glory to God for you. And I can say this is my best life right now, but it's not always my best life. I'm not it's not that I'm anxious for the Lord to take me because I'm looking forward to homemade turkey pot pie after service this morning, but I do know this. The day, whether it's today or tomorrow, because of my hope is fixed on Jesus Christ that the day I draw my last breath to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Praise God. Yes. I've had two moments in my life where I thought I was dying And I'm such a responsible person, I was arguing with God, don't take me because I have too much to do for my family and for the church, please don't let me die. Now, how many know that might be just a little skewed? But one of these days, like the Apostle Paul said, I am ready. He said, I've finished this race and I'm about to be poured out as a drink offering One of these days that will be happened and we fix our hope on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming again for you and for me. 2 Peter 3 says, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Christ in you, the hope of glory is the evidence of this. I'm going to have the band come forward if they would. Peter wrote, Fixing our hope upon Jesus Christ and his coming purifies us. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 that while we exalt in hope of the glory of God, but he said not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Praise his name. My prayer for you at this Advent season, I want to close with this, is Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise his name. It comes to my mind, the old hymn of the church, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I want to encourage you today that no matter where you are, whether this is your best life now, fix your hope on the blessed hope of His coming. If you're in a how-can-it-be moment, a season of life, know that God has given to you God Himself, Paul wrote, God, our Heavenly Father, and Jesus Christ Himself has given us a good hope by grace. Praise God. Praise His name. Run to the grace of God. Run there. Let His hope fill your heart. Praise His name. Praise God. God is so good, isn't He? Praise His name. We love Him. I'm going to have you stand with me this morning, and I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Praise Jesus. bow your heads for a moment. This morning, how many would say, Pastor Paul, I need need an infusion of God's hope in my life, and God's word has encouraged me this morning. Would you just lift your hand? Mm -hmm. Lift your hand this morning. I need an infusion of God's hope in my life. Yes, I want to pray for you in a moment. The next question I want to ask is, what are you fixing your hope on? Who is your hope fixed on? Today, today, you can make a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to have His hope, Christ in you, the hope of glory, to have the inheritance of a living hope, of following the Lord Jesus Christ, of having sins forgiven, of things made right between you and the Lord. If that is you this morning, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to turn it over to the one who loved me. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Say, this is me. Yes, I see that. Others this morning, just lift up your hand. I want to give my life to the one who gives life. Praise his name. Would you pray with me? Prayer teams, would you come if you would? After we pray, as the band leads us um, this morning, the prayer teams are here one to my right, one to my left to pray for you and with you. They're people who know God, that love God, they're filled with faith. They're here for you this morning, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word, we thank you for a hope that is a living hope that is both sure and steadfast that you provided as an anchor for our soul. We thank you, Lord, that you are our Heavenly Father. You're the one who speaks to your people, who is Emmanuel, God with us. You're the one, Lord, that has fulfilled the prophecies. You're the one that has allowed it so that we could be born again to a living hope presently. And, Lord, you are the one that you've promised to come back. Your word tells us this as you've come the first time. or to bear the sins of many, you will come the second time for salvation unto all those that long for your appearing. And We love you, Lord, and we just are so grateful that you have provided that we could be filled with all hope by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name. I pray these things, amen. Praise God, praise God, praise the Lord. Friends, would you grab hold of this hope? Praise his name. Enjoy the season, but as the prophet said, Isaiah chapter 40, would you make room for the Lord in this wilderness, the days in which we live, see what God will do for you with great hope. The Lord bless you as you go, greet each other, You have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, a wonderful Advent season. God bless you.